0: Does it seem strange to anyone else that protesters have been taken off the streets by unidentified federal agents and thrown into unmarked vehicles without being arrested, detained, or told what they were doing wrong? How about the fact that regular cops look like troops from a bad Van Dam sci-fi special? Now, I'm friends with a bunch of cops. I'm related to a couple as well. I'm totally comfortable being friends with police while acknowledging that certain aspects of policing are fucked. I'm also comfortable stating the very obvious and human fact that black lives matter. What I'm not comfortable with at this very moment is the total silence and complicity at all levels of government that we have heavily armed domestic military policing the streets. How did this even happen? And why does everyone seem to be cool with this? Let's find out. Oh my friends, we are fucked. Deliciously, unreservedly, catastrophically fucked. And not the good kind. We'll traverse this audio journey together to upend conventional wisdom, blow up narratives on the left, right, and middle, and use magical devices like facts, logic, and reason to explain how exactly we arrived in bizarro America. The funhouse mirror version of what was originally intended. I have found myself more and more fully committed to being ungovernable. We'll examine exactly how and why we're fucked. You want to claim this land is the land of a free? Then the symbol of your country cannot just be a flag. Dig into why we can't seem to unfuck ourselves. Perhaps it might be better, Mr. President, if you were more concerned with the American people than with your image in a history book. Ask why we settle for leaders who fuck us over. Please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. And see if we can unfuck things just a bit, all by ourselves. I do think that as long as you continue looking at things through that old patriarchal cartesian atonian lens you're going to miss out on what the world really is.
1: Leave these people alone.
0: They're U.S. citizens. U.S. citizens. U.S. citizens. U.S. It does not make you touch to do this to them. It doesn't. Stop hurting these people, man. Why are y'all do this to our people? I've been to Iraq 14 months. For my people, you don't want to ignore them. They don't have guns. They don't have guns. They don't. Why are you hurting these people? It doesn't make any sense. It make any sense. Welcome back to Unfucking the Republic. That's U.S. Marine Shamar Thomas speaking to a group of New York City police officers in 2011, during the height of Occupy Wall Street. Sergeant Thomas had recently arrived back in the States after being deployed in Iraq, only to find a militarized police force in his hometown aggressively beating back unarmed protesters. Protests in the U.S. aren't new. In fact, it's how this all started. It's why protest and free speech were the first things the founders protected in the Bill of Rights. It's what Sergeant Thomas was defending by putting on the uniform. It's what he was protecting when he returned. You know what is new? Police with fucking cannons. Remember what riot gear used to look like? Cops would come out onto the street behind some homemade plexiglass-looking little lunch tray with their little helmets and a club. Now everybody looks like fucking Batman. Like the Christopher Nolan version. They've got assault weapons, tasers, shields, body armor, tanks. Literally tanks flashbang grenades, grenade launchers, drones, you name it. Of course, our right to protest has always been open to interpretation in America. Peaceful assemblies have been met with lynchings, attack dogs, and water cannons in the past if the gatherings were mostly black. There are unspoken rules to freedom of speech and peaceful assembly. It all depends on what you look like and whether or not the thing you're speaking out against is protected by the ruling class. Now, in fairness, marches, protests, and demonstrations are more protected than they were in the 60s and 70s, for example. Everything is broadcast and open for the world to view in real time these days. You might feel like things are worse right now, like chaos rules the streets and cities throughout the nation are burned out and smoldering. They're not. But our view of it is so amplified. And that view depends in large part upon how curated your social feed is toward your interests and viewing history. For better or for worse, life is live-streamed, recorded, and documented for all to see. One might think that this would offer greater protection to those in the streets, and for a while it probably did, but our senses have been broken down and we've become callous and numb. That's the genius of the Grand Disillusionment Campaign. But the campaign almost came off the rails when one of the boys in blue straight-up murdered George Floyd. George Floyd. Unless you're a white nationalist, pure racist bigot, you gasped. We all did. No amount of concocted backstory could overwrite that history. It happened. We saw it. We took to the streets and all hell broke loose. And for a moment, the music stopped. It didn't take long for the establishment to catch its breath and get organized to flip the script, though. Taking regular police off the streets and replacing them with heavily armed military policemen doubling down on domestic militarization. And so instead of reform, we got a bigger show of force, and the the blame-the-protester mantra took center stage. And the familiar us-versus-them dance began, and the music started again. You don't talk during a state of emergency, Mike. You know that. Well, Come on. I'm sorry, but we'll I don't talk want people as soon as shot. we get this settled down. people shot on this campus just as a citizen of yeah. this Who wants people all right, shot? But yeah, they're yeah. sitting quietly. Okay, we asked ask them to leave? This area immediately. Leave this area immediately. And all of a sudden, I heard the shooting. and then I saw people dropping to the ground, and then I fell to the ground also, (laughs) because I couldn't walk anymore. That's a young man being interviewed at Kent State, immediately following the government's murder of four students. As you can hear, prior to being dispersed and then fired upon, the students were quiet and demonstrating peacefully against the war in Vietnam. The list of black Americans killed during protests in America is long and tragic. But when four white students were gunned down in Kent State, it caused the nation to re-examine its policy surrounding military intervention in domestic affairs. You see, the National Guard is only called in under a national emergency when local law enforcement cannot handle a situation like a violent riot or natural disaster. It's a mechanism of last resort that must be ordered by the governor of the state. It's one of the protections states are guaranteed in order to prevent executive overreach and remember that point because it's important during the sit-ins at kent state the ohio governor james rhodes characterized students at kent as quote the worst type of people we harbor in america end quote take note of the language there even though it was 1970 the word harbor has always been used in a negative context to suggest that the people described are there for nefarious purposes He calls in the National Guard, and even though the students were literally sitting in the quad peacefully, as you can hear the school official mention at the beginning of the clip, they decide to move in heavy-handed with tear gas, which causes confusion and leads to one National Guardsman opening fire without provocation. Scenes of the National Guard being deployed to beat, fire upon, gas, and brutalize black people were routine noise by this time. But white kids? Oh man. Nixon done fucked up. From History.com, H.R. Haldeman wrote in his journal that Nixon was, quote, "...very disturbed by the Kent State shootings." But he noted that the president was mainly preoccupied by the incident's political ramifications. Nixon had long sought to crush the anti-war movement on college campuses, which he believed was the work of outside agitators, and Haldeman reported that the president was hoping rioters had provoked the shooting. We'll talk a lot about Nixon throughout this podcast because he truly gave birth to a new America, bound and determined to actually stay like the old America. The list of graduates from his administration that would go on to determine public policy over the next half century is truly remarkable, and it was never about Nixon just like it's not about Trump today. It was all about the ideals that made him possible and the men who were willing to play the long game to make sure the more liberal elements of our society would be destroyed. Creating a militarized domestic police state was just one way they began to tear at the loose fabric of the civil rights movement, environmentalism, and the great general liberal awakening in the country. It actually took quite a long time for them to put the pieces of an authoritarian presence on the streets back together after Kent State. Let's break down the series of acts that took us from recoiling in horror at Kent State to accepting Professor Orange Von Fucknugget using the military to clear a mom's group from Lafayette Square for a photo op. we just had to run about a block of place, moved in, we uh, fired at- With rubber bullets, my cameraman has been hit. Uh, We've also seen tear gas being used. Here we go, they're moving through again. This is exactly what it looks like. Or just plain disappearing protesters from the streets of Portland. Wednesday night, he was protesting. It was sort of a festive atmosphere at these protests some nights. And this was one of those nights they were dancing. There was music. He said he was playing Frisbee for a while. Around 2.30 in the morning, he and a friend walk back to their car a few blocks away from where the protests are from the federal courthouse. Uh, A minivan pulls up four or five guys with rifles jump out. He said his beanie was pulled down over his head, blindfolding him, they tossed him in a van, and one officer held his arms above his head uh, while they drove around a little bit, and eventually he was unloaded inside a building, which only uh, after he was released did he learn was the federal courthouse. Very soon after he was released, they didn't give him any paperwork, they didn't give him any indication that he had been charged with anything. He still isn't sure if he's been charged with anything. We'll begin our journey in the 80s, with our main man, Ronald Reagan. Now remember that Reagan conservatism was birthed in the ashes of the Nixon catastrophe. Many of the eventual policymakers of his administration cut their teeth and formed their worldviews during the Nixon years. Notable American political figures like Donald Rumsfeld, Al Haig, George Bush Sr., Alan Greenspan, Henry Kissinger, etc. These men, among others, would help shape and craft a more insidious version of Nixon's southern strategy with a philosophy that put the penal system, welfare, capital markets, and foreign policy under the umbrella of a philosophy now described as neoliberalism. 1981. Congress passes the Military Cooperation with Civilian Law Enforcement Agencies Act, which allows the U.S. military to cooperate with domestic and foreign law enforcement agencies and grants them access to military bases and equipment. All of this was in service of the War on Drugs. A seminal moment in the history of mass incarceration and a topic for a later show. Fast forward to 1997 under President William Jefferson Clinton, and a couple of years after the disastrous crime bill that won Joe Biden so vehemently supported, the 1033 program is enacted. The program authorized the Department of Defense to get rid of excess equipment to local police departments who only have to pay for shipping. 2001. Just days after 9-11, Congress almost unanimously passes the Authorization for Military Force, or AUMF, that allows the Bush administration to identify and hunt down terrorists using whatever means necessary at their disposal. Representative Barbara Lee from California was the only one to vote against it, warning of the dire consequences from such unfettered authorization. Just days after the AUMF, Congress also expanded the right to surveil citizens under the Patriot Act, by compelling businesses like Verizon or social media companies, anyone really, to provide them with data. Essentially warrantless wiretaps. The right to put someone under surveillance was determined by the FISA courts, originally established to hear sensitive foreign information. The Patriot Act basically allows a single appointed judge to decide out of public view whether or not you can be wiretapped. Yes, a secret fucking court. No oversight, no records, No witnesses. The nail in the coffin came under President Obama and the new provisions in the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. This routine act authorized and reauthorized by Congress included some serious fuckery during the Obama years. Essentially, it gave the administration the unilateral right to expand the definition of terrorism and use military force to pursue whomever they deemed to be terrorists anywhere on the planet. We round out these greatest hits with another smash hit single under Barack Obama, the end of Posse Comitatus, which brings us to today. See, Posse Comitatus was passed in the 1870s to put some guardrails on when troops could be deployed domestically because things were, you know, pretty out of fucking control after the Civil War. And sometimes it was difficult to know who was in charge and when a circumstance called for federal troops. Buffers that had been in place since the 1870s were now gone. Like the concept that a governor has to declare a state of emergency and invite the federal government to intervene in a situation which the chief executive needs to agree with and Congress has to authorize, all of this essentially stripped away. In other words, no more buffers. Right, yeah, buffer. The family had a lot of buffers. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Chichi, you may find this very amusing, but I promise you the members of this committee do not. And that's how Professor Orange von Fucknugget can put people on the streets without asking for permission. Just a little history, some context, and understanding, and we can begin to tune our ears to the steady erosion of civil liberties and the upending of civil society. It's how simple slogans like law and order, support the troops, and make America great again all sound so natural, when in reality, They're built upon decades of policy work intended to turn us against one another to create the ultimate us versus us. So much so that none of us can truly see heavily armed, unidentifiable agents of the state robbing protesters of their constitutional rights for what it is, un-American. Here endeth the lesson.